0: Are you with me? Then let's dive in. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Visibly Fit. I'm your host, Wendy Pett. Are you in pain? One out of two people are dealing with back pain. And a few episodes ago, I had my own back pain. And I have someone here with us today that you are going to be blessed by hearing his expertise and the way in which he goes about healing his patients with his techniques. But I'm going to share a little bit about his his bio here. Olderman is his name. He graduated from physical therapy school back in 1996, and after failing to help his patients adequately, he realized that standard physical therapy education left him unprepared to truly help people with the chronic pain or nagging injuries that his patients were dealing with. And as a result, Rick has spent the last 20 years developing his pioneering approach. Shortly after Rick took over a small physical therapy clinic, he's out in Denver, Colorado. Back in 2012, his business grew very rapidly due to word of mouth and referrals and physicians seeing his rapid and lasting results for their most difficult patients. Body and balance physical therapy has become the clinic to recover from painful injuries. He has trained all his therapists in his revolutionary approach to fixing pain and has sought out for help around the world. And it keeps going on. His bio is thick, but I just want to share one more thing, and we're going to let him come in and share a little bit about his story. But one of the driving forces, this is part of his story, behind Rick's search for answers was his own chronic back pain, which began before he atten- attended school. Not finding the answers in a PT school, Pilates, personal training, or yoga, Rick realized a fundamental element connecting movement, structure, and pain was missing from most of the disciplines. He has dedicated these past two decades to unravel the secrets about how the body works to create and eliminate pain. He has distilled his discoveries down to a very simple system anyone can follow. And he has a new book out called Solving the Pain Puzzle. But I'm going to bring in Rick Alderman now to this episode of Visibly Fit. And we're going to just dive in and hear his passion and why he's doing what he's doing and get some answers around this chronic pain issue that so many people are really dealing with. So welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me, Wendy. I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to have you. This is fantastic. Okay, it all started which I get it, my journey with doing what I do started with my own injury. But let's talk about you and your back pain and what led you down this trail of wanting to figure out just the secret and how to unravel this mystery of pain.
1: It was my first job after PT school that really dictated all of this because I was great with acute problems, tears, strains, post-surgeries, things like that. But when it came to anything chronic pain, my patients were not getting better. And I was sunk into a deep depression because of it, because I just felt like, hey, I spent all this time and money learning to do this. And I think this is what i wanted to be doing, yet I'm terrible at it. And I was just like feeling terrible. And then what I eventually, that, that first job was in rural Colorado. I was basically one, the only physical therapist there. And then I moved to Denver later, and I went to work at an elite downtown health clinic there. And my schedule instantly filled with people with chronic pain. And these were people in their 20s to 60s, had access to all the top tier health care here in Denver, lots of athletes here, and no one could solve their pain. I'm thinking, holy smokes, it's not just me. It's medicine and fitness in general doesn't understand how to address chronic pain. So that's what kind of got me kickstarted to realize I've got to figure this out because I can't exist as a PT like this. I've got to help these people.
0: Yeah. And I love your heart behind it. You just want to help people get better and you want to get better yourself, but you wanted to unravel this mystery of pain. And and I've talked about this before, but I want you to share the difference between acute and chronic pain because some people may think their acute pain is chronic. It might just be irritating. But let's talk a little bit about that uh, and then we'll dive in more.
1: Yeah. Somewhere said, well, the three month mark is the magic division between acute and chronic pain. So, (laughs) If you're before three months, then it's acute. And if you're after three months, it's chronic. So if you've had pain for two months and three weeks, I'm sorry, you don't have chronic pain yet. (laughs) None of this information applies to you. But one of the interesting things that came out in one of the podcasts I was on is this chronic pain. It might help to think, because you struck in a nutshell there, Wendy, is that chronic pain is really acute pain that continues to happen again and again. And so if we solve that issue, chronic pain will go away very rapidly. Yes. So it's not like there's chronic pain. Your nerves are built differently for chronic pain than acute pain, or your muscles are acting differently for chronic pain versus acute pain. It's that you haven't resolved the initial insult. That's why it's chronic.
0: That's right. That's right. You so pain keep... is a
1: teacher in that case.
0: Isn't it though? Oh my mm. goodness. It is a teacher indeed. And sometimes we put our self in those situations to experience pain. So it can be our teacher, which is interesting. That's a whole nother conversation for another day. (laughs) I'm just thinking more psychologically and all kinds of things, but let, you know, you have written a book and it's solving the pain puzzle. And I think so many people, yeah, it is a puzzle for so many people. It's okay. One doctor told me this and one physical therapy told me this and what, and you know, it's confusing. It can be overwhelming And it's just give me the solution. And unfortunately, some people want the quick fix solution because they just want to be out of pain. I have a friend that just had to undergo some back surgery and just left the hospital. But it was grueling because they couldn't get a handle on her pain and just, just pain management side of things and how that can lead to addiction of pain meds and the list goes on and on. But your whole idea is, but let's not do this with obviously surgeries are one thing, but the idea is not to have surgery and not to have to go down the route of having medication. So how do you go about doing this? What is this puzzle that you are putting together that people can follow suit with and, and live a pain-free life?
1: Yeah. So first of all, I wrote just six books about 10 or 15 years ago. and They're all called under the Fixing You Fixing series, you. and they're addressing different chronic pain. And so over the years, I've had lots of Zoom sessions with people to help them, coach them through the books. And then I purchased my own clinic for 10 years and saw that really a lot of this stuff is happening in patterns. The, one of the reasons why we don't do well in medicine is because of our training. And our training is really about identifying specific tissues that are damaged. So we have lots of scans and tests to say, oh, it's this one tissue that is the problem. That's what's damaged. But there's no test in medicine that says why that tissue is damaged. And that's what I believe is missing. And that's why chronic pain occurs is because we're not addressing the whys behind the tissue damage. We're just, like you said, you know, that you go to one doctor, you get this treatment, a physical therapist, another and so forth. And they're all looking at specific tissues to treat rather than looking at your body from a system standpoint and understanding that how you're using your body is what's causing stress to these issues. Where I was going with my clinic is that I've learned that a lot of these things that might cause back pain in you, Wendy, would cause SI joint pain in another or sciatic nerve pain in another. Or hip pain in another, and so it's it's just the manifestation of the same pattern that seems to be different in different people based on your exercise history, your work history, your genetics, all sorts of things. So that made it a lot simpler to solve chronic pain because all I have to do is look for the pattern that's occurring, solve the pattern, and we're done.
0: Yeah, that's so good. And you're right, Rick. I think most practitioners are looking for the weakest area, the weakest link area, but it's all the weak areas around the weakest link area. So that's so good. And yeah, you talked about my back pain. And before the show, we were dialoguing and I was like, yeah, that week I was actually sitting a lot more. And I'm like, duh, hip flexors. And the average person, what, 10 hours a day or something? I actually think it's more than that, and unbelievably, but that's the what they say. If you are to Google it, do the Google. But I think it's more than that. With all the sitting in your car to get to work and sitting at work and then coming home and watching TV and the way that the typical average American operates, we are meant to move. And so let's talk a little bit about your take on movement and what encourage your patients to do for movement?
1: Yeah, I'll qualify your last comment. We are meant to move, but we're meant to move. Yes. And if we're not moving well, that's the problem. And so when we don't move well, that causes muscles to become tighter or weaker. And that's when we have to, that's when strain starts to occur.
0: Like oh, with overcompensation, if you're not moving, yeah.
1: I- imbalances, asymmetries mm-hmm. in the body. Sure. And w- a lot of these changes are unconscious. You're not, we're not aware of them because our brains are mostly concerned with getting from A to B. Oh, you want me to sit at this desk for eight hours to work? Okay, I'll do that. It's not aware of how we're doing that to get from A to B. And so if there are problems in your system, your brain finds these nice, subtle ways to compensate for those problems. Oh, we need to get from A to B. And so I'm going to just make this little adjustment here and now we can do that. And but unfortunately, your body doesn't go back to where it sh- it should have been for instance when you were 2 or 3 years old running around. Right. These changes stay with us. Forever.
0: They really do. And so we have to attack those. And oh, good. You get, you've you got a demonstration here. This is going to bring people to the YouTube channel to watch this. I love it. Go for it.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to demonstrate. We talked to, brought up back pain a couple of times, but mm-hmm. I want to take your listeners through a really easy test to understand a fundamental reason why they're having back pain. Awesome. And this kind of will show them what I'm really talking about. So here's the test. So the test is I want you all to lie down on your back, on the floor or on your bed or whatever it is. So just lie down with your legs straight and we're going to stay here for about 30 seconds. And what I want you to do, you can even put your hands underneath your low back if you want to. And you'll feel that arch in your back when you're lying down on the floor with your legs straight. And now we've been there for about 30 seconds. Now what I'd like you to do is just bend your knees so your feet are flat on the floor, bend your knees so you're hugging your knees to your chest. And you'll notice that your back feels better in one of these two positions, either or knees bent to some degree. And I bet, Wendy, given that you just recovered from back, injury, <laughs> that you know which position probably feels better for most people.
0: Definitely. Knees which bent. One? Yes, knees exactly.
1: Bent. <laughs> 99% of the people out there will say, oh yeah, my back feels a lot better when my knees are bent. So the next part of this test is that I want everyone now to stand up and listen for the next two or three minutes to this podcast. And if you stand up, you'll notice that what happens after about a minute or two, your knees start to lock backwards into a straight position. All right. This is an energy conservation move. Your brain is trying to save energy, and it turns off muscles. And now we're just standing on our joints, so we don't really have to use much muscular effort to do this. But if you're doing that, and if you're not doing that yet, go ahead and lock your knees back and just feel what I'm talking about. Now, just unlock your knees slightly, and you'll feel something just happen to your back. And if you're not sure, lock your knees one more time, and you'll notice that when your knees are locked, your back is arched more. We just found out on the floor that your back doesn't feel as good when it's arched. It likes it better when it's flat. And now we just found out that your normal habit of standing is to lock your knees if you're standing any longer than a minute or two for energy conservation matter. And also, if you're locking your knees standing, very good chances are that you're locking your knees when you're walking too. Mm. So every time you're locking your knees, you are causing your spine to arch more. And on a very fundamental, all right, where that's how your habit and how you're using your body Is contributing to the pain in your back. If you just start for the next three days, those of you with back pain, if you just start unlocking your knees, when you stand and walk, you'll probably see a significant reduction in your back pain with that tip alone.
0: Love that. Thank you. That's so simple. And I would imagine that most people have never thought about the fact that they lock their knees when they stand or much less when they walk. Like I, I'm mm-hmm. just trying to picture that locked knees when they're walking. And yeah, that's something to really be present about and be intentional about noticing.
1: Yeah. So the walking pattern that looks like a knee locking pattern when you're walking and your foot comes in front of you and it lands. So what's happening is that your body should be coming forward with that advancing.
0: Are you saying as far as like heel strike first?
1: No, not heel or forefoot. When your foot is moving forward, your body should be moving. Right. So that when you land on that foot, your body should be over your foot. And what's happening because of the heels and so forth, what's happening is people are walking with their leg striking in front of them with their body behind the foot. That causes the knee to lock. That turns off all important hip and pelvic muscles, which help stabilize the back and the pelvis. Learning to unlock your knees when you're walking is just simply trying to get your body to move forward with the advancing foot with each step rather than have your body lag behind that foot. And you won't believe how much back pain that will solve.
0: That's so good. And I have a, I'm have a big walker and I'm a big fan of walking and I have a walking program. And so this is going to be helpful for my listeners to hear. But you mentioned something and it caught my ear. I'm like, yep. You were talking about thick soled shoes or different shoes these days. And I think how much is that playing a role and even the effect of how our body is operating because of the shoes that we're wearing. I'm a woman. We tend to go more for style than for comfort. And I'm just curious that if you've thought much about that, or if you've seen that with your patients that, oh, I can see that your shoes are the first thing that we need to get rid of.
1: Oh, of course. All the time. A really easy way to determine how much this is affecting your walking pattern is to go walk down your concrete sidewalk with your shoes on and yeah. now walk down that concrete sidewalk in your bare feet. And you'll see just how much of a different gait pattern you have when you're walking with your bare feet versus when you're walking with your shoes. I can almost guarantee that if you walk more like you would in your bare feet, that would solve a lot of your aches and pains.
0: And not that this is a promotion at all for barefoot shoes or anything like that, but is that something that you would definitely recommend?
1: If you're inclined to go that route, by all means, go that route. (laughs) So really, you don't have to have barefoot shoes if you simply allow your body to come forward with that advancing foot. That's really where the problem is. And that's where the shoes become a problem is because they allow us to have a stronger heel strike than we would naturally if we weren't wearing shoes at all. And that sets up a whole ripple effect of biomechanical problems up the
0: body. Yeah, no, that is such a good word and something I think that I know that I forget as well. And so I'm sure the listeners have maybe not thought of that or forget that as well. With your original Fixing You method, why don't you tell us a little bit about that method? Because you've written, what'd you say, five books around that method? And it's yeah, six, now books. Six, books, six books now. What has been maybe, I'm sure they've all been well-received, but has the back book been more popular than the knee? Or I'm just curious.
1: So yeah. the back pain book is by far the most popular because almost everyone suffers it. Yeah, And the reason why, to go back to our original discussion about why back, but we struggle in medicine for this and to solve this. And this is, Why is because, again, we're looking at things from a component standpoint instead of the systems approach of analyzing gait and how that might be affecting the back. All sorts of tighter, weak muscles that are happening because of that gait pattern is affecting the back. And so that one by far is the most popular. And so the second most popular is the hip and knee pain pain book. A lot of people have problems with that. And then the the third one, I think, is the neck pain and headaches book. That's a really popular one too. Yeah. Very misunderstood issue. And we can talk about any of that if you want to.
0: We can't. I've got some great exercises for the neck. I don't even know if you're familiar with visibly fit exercises, but I would love to show you, Rick, because it's all just using your body as your gym, like moving isometrics and some static contraction. Anyway, it's just so fun. I've got like this neck exercise where you push against your hands and, anyway. To we, Our necks are usually weak. Let's talk about that for a second, because most people don't realize it. And the tech neck issue going on right now, I'm sure you see a lot of that. People bending their head, looking down all the time at their phone. Let's talk a little bit about the neck.
1: Neck pain and headaches is is significantly misunderstood. And so if we look at the body architecturally-
0: Go on YouTube, watch this. This is good, people.
1: (laughs) We'll notice that a lot of our bones are these long bones, but we have two areas of our body with broad bones instead of long bones. One is the pelvis, which has our pelvic bones, which are broad and flat. The other area, and we all know that the pelvic pelvis is the center of function for our lower body and back mechanic. The second area is our shoulder blade. That's another broad, flat bone. So this also, it turns out, is the center of function for our neck and head system all right, and arm system. So there are rules about how the shoulder blades should be resting and moving. And so many of those rules are often broken in people with chronic shoulder. And biggest fault that I see most people have is that the shoulder blades are resting too low. And this often comes from the cue that we should be bringing our shoulder blades down and back into our opposite back pockets. That's the opposite of correct shoulder blade function. And that's using the shoulder girdle system to generate posture. And that is not its job. If you look at the architecture, it rests on top of the rib cage. Why would that be involved with posture generation? Posture generation is actually achieved to the core. And so we can go over that. An easy test to see whether your neck pain or headaches is actually coming from your shoulder girdle system is one I developed. I call it the armpit test, Wendy.
0: Okay, as long as it's not the arm sniff test. Armpit yeah, we've sniff got test. enough
1: complicated names, <laughs> and I'm not gonna call it the Olderman test. That's just too ego-driven, so here we go. <laughs> so the easy thing, if you have neck pain, you need someone else to help you with this test. So you're gonna stand there, and what you're gonna do is you're gonna turn your head left, turn your head right, look up, look down, and get a sense for your res- range of motion restriction and pain when you're doing this. Then you're going to have someone stand up behind you. They're going to put their arms in your armpits like this, and they're going to lift up your shoulder blade system about a half inch, maybe an inch tops, all right? And they're going to jiggle that around a little bit to make sure that you are relaxing your shoulders into their hands. That's key because if you just continue to be tense, then your neck is still holding up your shoulder girdle system. Now that you've relaxed that, and it only takes maybe 30 seconds, maybe a minute tops. So you jiggle that around, you get them to relax. And then what they do is while your hands are still in there, they turn their head left, right, up and down again. If their range of motion is improved or their pain is reduced, it's telling you that your shoulder girdle system is the cause of your restriction in your neck. Now there's gonna be a subset of people out there who have no response from this. And that's because they're in so much pain and so tense, they can't let their shoulder girdle system go. So So for those people- that person would then remove their hands from the shoulder girdle system. And even though they're tense and didn't feel a change, most of those people would then say, oh my God, I feel my shoulder girdle system again. I, my neck is killing me now again. All right. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize it wasn't killing them when the hands were there in the shoulder girdle system. Interesting. So that's further evidence that the shoulder girdle is the cause of pain. And I'll tell you, Wendy, probably I'm not all to say hundred percent. But I would say 99.9% of all chronic neck pain and headaches, I don't care whether it's migraines, tension, whatever, is due to a shoulder girdle system problem mm. rather than the neck bones itself or the head. That's and good. no one's looking there.
0: Yeah. And I think about how many of my clients just talk about this, the stress that they carry in their shoulders, right? And then obviously the neck, the headaches, that kind of thing. But yeah, I bet if they did that test, they would see that they are, they're way off balance in the way they're carrying themselves. So that's really good and useful.
1: Do you work live with your clients?
0: Yeah. So I have a program where I do a full-on workouts, I'm doing my isometrics and moving isometric program visibly fit. Yeah. But it's all through Zoom. Uh Uh-huh.
1: Oh, okay. I tell you, but it's not such an easy I'm... test. Yeah. Why don't you should take your neck pain, do a neck pain client workout and start with this armpit test.
0: Yeah, that's and, a great and, idea. And
1: help them test themselves and understand why they're having pain.
0: I love it. That's a great idea. Thank you.
1: I just want to address this feeling of pain. This is common. Most people with neck pain will say, Oh, it's killing me. So what is that? It's not really the trapezius. What's deep to the trapezius? It's called the levator scapula. So We have large muscles that are supposed to control our shoulder girdle system. And deep to those is our smaller muscles. And this is the way it works generally throughout the body. One of the muscles in the shoulder girdle system is called the levator scapula. And it starts from the shoulder corner of the shoulder blade here and inserts into C1 through 4. Its job, levator scapula, is to elevate the scapula. So when everything is pulling down, that's the sole guy that's left this little pinky muscle to hold the whole system up. And so that's why we get this feeling that- no wonder um, it's
0: so tight, yeah. And so it's
1: supposed to elevate. So our brain says, oh, you're trying to lift up your shoulders and that hurts. And so it it equates that lifting of the shoulders with the source of the levator is trying to offset all the damage that's being done from depressing the shoulder. Mm -hmm. And so it's the only guy trying to lift and that's why the levator scapula is hurting so much. And we have pain here, we're in our neck and head region, is not because it's weak; it's because everything else isn't functioning correctly.
0: And so, what, in what our are
1: posture strategy?
0: Right, that's very true. Posture. So, is that what you would tell your patients? Okay, let's start with your posture strategy, and let's get that in, in into a discipline first, right? Oh, it's,
1: or, that's one of the big things. Yeah. So yeah. I've developed a taping technique to fix the shoulder blade.
0: Taping. That's yeah. br- okay. So we tape that.
1: the shoulder blade into a better position. Okay. And that immediately removes all pain from the neck and head. It's mm-hmm. a miracle for most neck people who suffer from chronic neck pain and headaches. And wh- that serves a couple different purposes, Wendy. One is that it's teaching them, oh my God, it really is my shoulder blade. That is the problem. And it inspires them to say, I've got to fix this. Because if I fix this, I'm going to feel as good as when this tape is on." Yeah. All
0: right? Interesting. So that's
1: one... Oh, go ahead. I'm
0: sorry to interrupt you. Is that, I have a, a, it's a posture support. It's like a little, it looks like a kind of a gun holster kind of thing. Is it kind of act like that a little bit where it pulls that, the shoulders? That
1: posture, I know it's one you're talking about. Yeah. And that that can function in a similar way I've used that. And I still use that with some mm-hmm. patients. I use that. Here's the other. Here's the other reason I'll use something like that. Okay. So we just mentioned that one of the problems that's creating this whole shoulder girdle system is that we're using the shoulder blades, squeezing them back to the spine and putting them down in our back pockets mm-hmm. to create posture, all right? And so a lot of people, when I say you can't do that anymore, they say, oh, but now I've got a slouchy posture. That's their brain telling them that if their shoulders aren't here, anything less than this is slouchy. But that's not slouchy. No. That's just relaxed. Right. And so I'll use that posture brace to help them put their shoulders where they think they need their shoulders to be, but get them to turn off all the muscles that they're using to get there. So the posture brace will calm the system down by short-circuiting that posture strategy that they've been using for probably decades.
0: Sure. No, that's so good because I think we either... Go big or don't do it at all. So it's so, okay. Overcompensate. I'm going to be really <laughs> standing up straight. Yeah, that's good. I love that. Let's. Can talk- I take you through? Yes. Can
1: I take you through the correct way to do posture?
0: Please do. Yes.
1: Okay, it's really easy. All right. All right, and then we'll move on to that next question. I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: this
1: uh, is I just feel like while well, I've got you here. Hey, you know, no, let's, this let's is give fantastic a solution.
0: Uh huh.
1: So if you put one hand on top of your chest and the other hand on your belly, and you take a deep breath in, you'll feel your ribcage rise. Yeah, And when you exhale, you'll feel it lower. So take another deep breath in, feel the ribcage rise. And this time when you exhale, you can exhale all the way, but don't let the ribcage lower all the way. It can lower 99% of the weight, but not that last 1%. Yeah, And you'll notice that by keeping the, the ribcage up just a tad, your stomach muscles have now just become engaged ever so slightly, maybe 5%. Okay. So these are your core muscles holding up your ribcage. And if you look at anatomy pictures online of the core muscles, they are massive. There are many layers deep and we've they got around. tons yep. of them, right? We, when the body has architecture, so much architecture devoted to one area, we have to pay attention to that. And so that is how the core should be working is to hold up the rib cage for you. Now, the goal, notice that I, how I got you into this, I didn't say contract your stomach. If we contract our stomach, then we're just going to do this. And- then that shuts down our breathing. But if we just simply lift the rib cage slightly, 5% of your core just starts to turn on and that's all that's needed to hold you up, right? So that's neurologically, that will feed your core to become stronger naturally rather than doing a thousand sit-ups or crunches, which don't then translate to correct posture. So this is correct posture, strengthening correct posture just by doing it. And doing it, In a relaxed way. So the second part of this then is to bring your arms down by your sides. Now roll around your shoulders to get them out of the equation. Mm -hmm. Your arms should be two dangling ropes resting by your arms or by your sides. And you'll notice that when you relax your shoulders and arms, you've just let go of your posture, your core. And the reason is because you've tied posture to shoulders being tense rather than your core activating. And so that's your homework is to decouple retrain your
0: brain, <laughs> exactly. to retrain your body. Yes. Yeah. That is so good. Thank you, Rick. That's well, fantastic. Sure. These are like, uh, it's easy, isn't it? It is easy, but yet it's anything new feels hard in the beginning. So it's just different. And so once you get these disciplines in place, it's, oh, that's not so hard. It's easy. It's yeah. This is like normal habits. Can but I comment
1: to- on that for just, a, that's a brilliant comment. And so you're actually right. When you change fundamental patterns of how you're doing things, it will be difficult. And I want people to see why it's difficult. So if you put your fingers together, Wendy, while you're praying, look down and see which thumb and finger, which thumb is on top. Is it your left right. or your right? Your right now, one. Now, without looking at your hands and all everyone at home, please do this too. Put unless your you're driving. Together, unless you're <laughs> you driving. Unless you're driving a Tesla, then you can <laughs> your hands up. Okay. So now you've seen which thumb is on top. This is your right. We're going to un- not look at your hands. We're going to undo that. And now put them back together with the opposite thumb on top this time. That okay. felt a little awkward, didn't it?
0: Yeah. And a, lot of people,
1: and a lot of people watching this might look down at their hand to check, to see whether they actually did it correctly. Now keep your hands like this because your brain is giving you an alert right now that you're doing something different right it feels a little awkward and yeah. now there's another part of your brain that's judging that difference as wrong oh this is the wrong way to do it right but you don't know whether it's wrong right. all it's you different. know truly is that it's different
0: right and so
1: when people change their posture strategy or their walking patterns or how they're standing with by unlocking their knees
0: or their expect, nutrition habits Rick? or their nutrition habits
1: <laughs> all sorts of things yeah so understand that your brain is going to send you these alerts that say hey, you're changing something big that you told me not to do for the whole life and now you're changing it. I got to tell you, and and you've got to separate that from that judgment side of your brain that's saying it's wrong. Right. Your brain doesn't know it's wrong. It just knows that it's different. When your pain goes down, then your brain's going to say, oh, that was a good change. Now I'm going to do that more, just like nutrition. You get those results and it feeds you to do more and that's really how the brain works with changing how you're using your body.
0: That's so good. Speaking of nutrition, since I threw that in there and Visibly Fit is all about eating well, more whole food, plant-based lifestyle and that kind of thing. But there are probably people that come to you that may not be in the best of shape as far as how they're fueling their body and taking care of their body. So that plays a big role, of course, on how they're walking and their posture and all of that as well. And so it's important to to make sure that you're stacking healthy habits so that your spine can stack appropriately and that kind of thing as well.
1: Absolutely. In fact, touching on my overriding theory of why we have chronic pain, and I call it the pillar theory. So we all have this critical threshold above which we have pain. Some people's are high, some people's low. It doesn't really matter. So really our goal is to get us as low below that critical threshold as possible. So we have wiggle room in our lives to do things and enjoy it without suffering but many people are right up here. So the things that are pushing people up to that critical threshold, there's three pillars of issues that I've found that I think are happening. One are musculoskeletal issues, which is what you and I are talking about right now. The second is dietary allergens or mold issues, things yes. that you just mentioned okay. that because your body can have an inflammatory response to that, which then cause neurological tension and patterns throughout your body. And then the third is psychological, emotional, or spiritual issues yep. that then also cause tension in patterns in your body. So everyone's a different mix of these three things. And this is why you see books all over the place that all ascribe to, oh, this is what solves pain and this is what solves... And it's always different information, but if you really break it all down, it falls into these three patterns of issues, typically, musculoskeletal, emotional, and dietary issues.
0: And none of us have mastered them all. (laughs) We won't master them till the day we leave this earth, I'm sure. But being aware and being present and noticing and then taking action steps to do something about it is how you can correct and start to live a healthier life. And so, I just love what you're doing. Thank you, Rick. I mentioned that I would share this just because my audience is more faith-based. You did you were raised in a Christian household and that's fantastic. I know you've branched out and you're in a different space right now and that's okay. I just want to make it clear to my audience because, you know, information is information and it's so important that we are going to experts like yourself to get the right healing and the right methodology that will really help to heal our bodies. And so I just, I thank you. I don't, you don't have to elaborate or go into any of that, but I wanted to make that aware to to my listeners. On a little side fun note, and I would love to keep you here because man, you are just a full of information and I love this interview. But on just a fun side note, because I don't know you that just pretty much met you and been on your website and stuff. But what does Rick like to do to have fun, to stay healthy and stay fit? Are there some kind of Sports that you play or what? Give me a fact about. I
1: work out during the week and I have my own little schedule that I do and I like to run. And right now, Wendy, I'm in the middle of changing how I run ah, because I'm interested in running more long distance and the way I run, it's terrible form. And, oh, and it? it only allows I, me to run short distance right now. And I've known for years, I need to change this.
0: So more like sprinter and style.
1: It's a heel strike running pattern. Uh, and what that's doing is putting lots of stress in my that's back. That's me. Hips, I'm a heel strike. Those, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And my goal, I want to be able to run marathons, ultra marathons. Good for you. Know, you. And so th- I can't do that. Yeah. Getting there the way I've been doing things. I've got. So folks, I, you're not the only one who needs to change things. Yeah, I'm changing things. Wendy's so changing things. We all need to change things to improve our lives. And this is mm-hmm. what I'm doing for
0: myself. No, that is so honest. And I love that because yeah, when people think they've got it all together, even practitioners, and that's when there's tends to be something that you stumble on and fall on. And so, yeah, we're constantly growing and evolving and getting better in our in our walk and in our, just our health and our well being. So thanks for sharing that with us. And yeah, I can't wait to hear when you are running those marathons and those ultra- ultra marathons. That'd be fun to see. So thank you for tuning in. And those of you that are listening or watching, find out more at rickalderman.com. And it's spelled like older man. I'm just going to say that. So it's Rick, but he's not an older man. Visit rickalderman.com. And then that's where you can get all of your resources there. And also just, do you have any, you've got a couple of giveaways, right? Oh
1: yeah. I've got some free stuff on there. And then all my home programs are there. My practitioner's course is there. If you want to read chapters from my upcoming book, Solving the Pain Puzzle, you can do that. And I've recorded them audio, so you can listen to me reading them and you can pre-order that book. My goal is to become the first physical therapist on the New York Times bestsellers list. Make so it so. I'd love it. Yes. I'd love it if you all could help me with that. Oh, uh, please. Yes. It, if you end up buying anything that I have, if you type in fixing you, all one word, you can get 20% off of anything that you... Oh,
0: thank you so much. So Fixing You will give you 20% off. And if you're from Texas, it's not fixing, it's fixing, F-I-X-I-N-G. Get that G in there. Fixing You, (laughs) (laughs) and you'll get your discount. So thank you so much for being so gracious. And we'll catch you next time for another interview, possibly on Visibly Fit. Thank you, Wendy. All right. That was a great interview with Rick Alderman. And I believe that you will Fully be blessed by the interview. And when you put some of those practical steps into place and start to just be intentional about paying attention to your body and what's happening and where the tension is and where maybe your posture is over, over pronounced, and it's not really Good posture at all, or if you're sitting too much, and things that you can do, and how you're striking the ground when you're walking, or you're locking your knees, doing those the simple test where you're lying down that Rick mentioned would be very beneficial. I'm going to do it myself. I hope you do it as well, and go to his website again. It's RickAlderman.com and uh, olderman.com. And you can get 20% off by going to fixing putting fixing you in the in the promo code thing there. And uh, yeah, so thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Visibly Fit. Y'all know too, you can get my Visibly Fit exercises, which are using your body as your gym. If you go to wendypet.com and uh, also that's part of the seven week Uh, Visibly Fit program. So if you want to check that out, it's getvisiblyfit.com. Anyway, thank you so much for tuning in. Always love spending this time with you. We will catch you same time, same place next week. Be blessed.